over $7 million. That's what a Super Bowl ad was estimated to have cost. And that's just 30 seconds of airtime. More to make the ad. We saw the typical beer ads, funny ads, sad ads, and then there was Jesus. He Gets Us, a campaign that started several months ago with commercials everywhere. And yesterday, they bought two spots during the Super Bowl. I'm told it costs them $20 million. But with over a billion eyes watching worldwide, that's not so much. For a while, the campaign said they were funded by several Christian families who wanted to reach the lost. Recently, David Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, said his family was one of those contributors. He said, today Christians are seen as the haters, and yet we have the greatest love story in the world about Christ who died for us. And millions are seeing their agenda to rediscover the love story of Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Monday, we're launching a new series this week called Love by the Book. I wonder, wonder who, who, who. Who wrote the book Surely you have heard that song. I was only five years old when it came out in 1957, but it made the monotones famous as it hit the top of the charts for a number of months. And I thought it was a perfect question for us here on a day before Valentine's Day. Who wrote the book of love? And over the next few days, we're going to turn to the book of love, the Bible, and we're going to look at one chapter that has been described as the love chapter. I'm sure you know which chapter I'm speaking of. It's read at weddings for both Christians and even non-Christians. And of course, I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13. Love is top of mind for many of us this week. I'm thankful for the love shown by the Green family of Hobby Lobby, as well as those anonymous families who invested millions of dollars to share God's love through Jesus Christ on the Super Bowl yesterday. Here's what David Green said about the He Gets Us campaign on Blaze TV not long ago. We have to present the only answer to this, and it's not politics. And you've already said it, it's him. It's Jesus who died for us, loves us. And until we accept him and know him and his scriptures and his book that he's given us, we can't, we can't settle the right. problems we have. So I think you'll see us, our family, with a lot of other families coming on a program. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it. The Super Bowl, he gets us. So we're wanting to say, we being a lot of different people, that he gets us. He understands all of us. David Green from Hobby Lobby talking about the He Gets Us campaign. Upwards of a billion dollars being spent over the next three years to point people to Jesus. I'm curious if you saw one of the ads on the Super Bowl yesterday. I responded to the call. I didn't know if he was guilty or not. I couldn't ignore public opinion. I got caught up in the emotion of the trial. I could have testified, but I got scared. I'm expected to be tough on crime. I know my son was innocent. I will never forget his final words. Forgive them. The commercial shows black and white pictures of law enforcers, judges, courtrooms, and defendants. And at the end, these words are there on the screen. Jesus rejected resentment on the cross. 
He gets us, all of us, Jesus. What a powerful campaign. May the Lord use it to show his love and forgiveness and bring revival that we need so much today. In a moment, we're going to think about the first part of 1 Corinthians 13. We can think we're doing a lot for the Lord, but if we don't do it with love, Paul says it's nothing. Challenging words, but words we need to hear and words to ponder. Words that'll help us better understand the Bible. After the program, I'd like to give you an opportunity to show your love for this ministry. And when you send us a gift, I'd like to send you a helpful resource that's helped me better navigate the scriptures. It's called Where to Find It in the Bible, and it's a helpful book that'll help you do just that. You want to know more passages on love, marriage, maybe parenting? Look up the words, and you'll find a plethora of scripture to dive into. From my own morning devotions to writing messages for Haven today, where to find it in the Bible has guided me to just the right passage at a moment's notice. Why don't you call us after the program? Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or you can make your gift online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if you wanted to but didn't get to, we still have the double DVD of The Hiding Place and Return to The Hiding Place for your gift as well. And now let's open the program with a Christian love song by Ellie Holcomb.
sung for us by Ellie Holcomb on a haven today called Love by the Book. That's Love Never Fails. I'm Charles Morris. It can be hard to avoid all the heart-shaped chocolate boxes at the supermarket, and it's possible, if not probable, that we have a few parents listening in while preparing Valentine's Day cards for their little ones to take to class tomorrow. How do we show some love for Christ for Valentine's with my family? Well, I visited a nearby candy store, buying bags of candy for all my kids and grandkids. Plenty of chocolate in every bag. Janet even found a box of cards at a dollar store, and we shipped them out to Oregon and Virginia on Friday to arrive by tomorrow. May I ask you how you like to express your love for others? Gift-giving is a popular way to express one's love. There have been so many books that have tried to explain this phenomenon. So many of us love to give. Many of us love to receive gifts. And considering the former, it shows our loved ones that we do indeed care for them. And the latter reminds us that we are cherished. The wonderful news is... We don't have to wait till every February to shower one another with gifts, cards, words of appreciation. It's certainly good to do so. But my hope for us is that Valentine's Day is only a continuation of sharing our hearts with those we love. Might we be able to say that our kind and generous God delights in giving good gifts? Well, I think we can. His blessings to us are an expression of his love. And in turn, we must express his love to others. We're called to do that. I think that's so important for us to consider. When we share gifts, even our time with others, we reflect God's love to that other person. But our actions are not enough. Our hearts must be in the right place as well. So it's my prayer that in the next few minutes, you will be encouraged to use your God-given gifts for the blessing of brothers and sisters in the Lord, as well as those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus. So, let's listen to 1 Corinthians 13. Here's how it starts. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Now, many people are familiar with those three verses, even those who've never stepped inside a church. Perhaps you've heard portions of this chapter read at a wedding. But what's interesting is, Paul the Apostle did not have a wedding in mind when he wrote this section. What did he have in mind? Well, maybe you've guessed it. Gifts. We might say that Paul was speaking about love in light of the Corinthians' gift-giving. You see, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church at Pentecost in Acts 2. That's what Jesus promised. And along with his presence, the Spirit provided gifts. God was pleased to give Christians everywhere spiritual gifts. But what was the purpose? In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul explained it was for building up unity in his church. In other words, we're given gifts not to use for ourselves, but for the sake of others. Love others. 
when we use God-given gifts for selfish purposes, we're not expressing God's love. And that's exactly what was happening in Corinth. The Corinthian church was misusing and they were even abusing God's gifts for their own gain. So it's in response to this problem that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13. What are we to take away from the scripture? Those verses I just shared? Without love, our gift giving means nothing. If I buy my wife Janet some flowers, but I'm grumpy around her, I'm impatient, I'm ungrateful, will those flowers sweeten our relationship and make her forget about my lack of love for her? No way. Similarly, if we share God's gifts to us with brothers and sisters in the Lord, not with the intentions of building them up, but to build ourselves up, then those gifts are wasted. Without sincere love, our gift-giving will never express God's love for fellow Christians, but it will express self-love. And this is not what the Lord desires. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you're not intending to use your gifts and skills to serve and love one another, your actions count for nothing. There is a reason why Paul used such grandiose symmetry. Even if Paul had the greatest of spiritual gifts and was gifted with unlimited knowledge, if he didn't serve from a place of love, Paul would sound like a high school rock band that didn't practice before their show. Do you need this reminder? I do. I think we both need it every day. And when thinking not just about the spiritual gifts, but any God-given gift and talent— we can be tempted to think that they are all we need to be a blessing, forgetting where these gifts and talents came from, from the Lord. He's blessed us out of the abundance of his love so that we, in turn, can bless others. Paul wrote earlier in his letter that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Let's ask God to help us not to be so puffed up, but to serve others from a posture of love. The beauty of the great story about Jesus is that in Christ, we find the only one who denied himself and loved others perfectly. He loved his heavenly father. He loved humanity without failing or stumbling at any point in his life on earth. And that gives us hope. We will stumble as much as it may pain us. We will sin against our loved ones, our fellow Christians. Yes, even against the Lord. But in Jesus Christ, we find the greatest example of love. And not only that, but in Jesus Christ, we find the answer to our lack of love. In his infinite love, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Sins like our lack of love. So what are we to do? We're to look up to Christ by faith and receive forgiveness that he gives to us. Having been forgiven, he then invites us to stand up and to love others through the power of the Spirit. And I know we've talked about loving brothers and sisters, but what about those who don't know Jesus? Are we able to share our God-given gifts with them? And the Bible tells us, yes, we can. In 1 Corinthians 13, we find truths about love that can be applied not just to life in the church, but to life in the world. Those gifts which God has given us to bless the church with can also be used to bring others to faith in Christ. But what's the key ingredient? Love. 
if I'm not opening up my home to neighbors? Or I'm just sitting on my porch telling kids to get off my lawn. Am I likely to gain an opportunity to share Christ with them? I doubt it. But if in my day-to-day living, I approach those around me with a posture of humility, of Christian love, not seeking to puff myself up, but to serve others, may that open the door so that others may know Christ Jesus like I do. We began our time with the idea of gift giving and the potential reason for its popularity. It lets others know they're cherished. How might we share our gifts with those who don't yet know Christ? It may start by inviting them home for dinner or dropping by someone's house with a basket of goodies. It may include clearing out a busy afternoon schedule to provide a listening ear. In listening to their fears and worries and pains, the Spirit just might provide you with the right word to say at that moment. This is what it means to love your neighbor. And what are we doing when we love our neighbor is simply loving them as we were loved. For this reason, we ought to love others, because Jesus first loved us by dying and rising from the dead to give us life. Few of us just stumble inside a church by accident, hear the gospel, respond by faith. We first heard from someone we knew. Might be a parent, a spouse, or a neighbor. They loved you enough to share the gift of the gospel with you. I encourage you to thank God for them and to ask him to give you boldness to share the gospel with others, just as someone did with you. The greatest gift is to share Jesus Christ. Think about how the gifts God has given you may be used to love others and bless them with the message of the gospel. In this week, where so many are thinking of love, would you join me in praying that family, friends, neighbors would come to realize the marvelous love of our Savior, Jesus Christ? I stand amazed in the the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean we're singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song Oh, yes, it
Austin Stone Worship, marvelous on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, loved by the book. It's been great opening up God's Word with you. Why don't you come back with me tomorrow as we continue on in 1 Corinthians 13. Reading the Bible is so important, drawing us closer to Him. It also changes you as well. And that's why I really hope to encourage anyone who listens to read God's Word for themselves. But sometimes this can be daunting. Where do I start? What book should I read? Well, that's why I'm really looking forward to sharing a gem that I discovered a few years ago that's been a real blessing in my life. It's called Where to Find It in the Bible. It has thousands of topics in it like love, but more importantly, it's saturated with thousands of scripture passages that'll help you study God's word more effectively. From my own morning devotions to writing messages for even today, where to find it in the Bible has guided me to just the right passage at just the right time. I'd like to send you this helpful resource right now for your support of Haven Today. You just need to call us, and the number to call is 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800 
65 Haven. Or visit us online at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Where to find it in the Bible. And when you're there, take a look at that double feature DVD called The Hiding Place and Return to the Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom and her Christian family and friends helping to rescue Jews during World War II. Two powerful movies you need to see. Ask about it when you call or read more online. They're on our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? Valentine's Day. When again together, we'll be sharing this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Sometimes we read things in the Bible that make us scratch our heads. Proverbs 6.16 lists seven things that the Lord hates. Usually, we expect lists like the fruit of the Spirit, positives that the Lord delights in. But we learn a lot about our God's character when we look at what He hates, too. Haughty eyes. The Lord desires humility, not arrogance. A lying tongue. The Lord is the truth. His word is truth. Shedding innocent blood. The Lord defends the weak. Wicked schemes. Feet that rush into evil. The Lord calls us to rush into grace. A compulsive liar. A person who stirs up conflict. These are anti-fruit. But in Christ we can please the Lord. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.